Hey there, folks. Welcome to Rock and Rally Tennis, where it's all tennis, all the time. I'm James Lynn. Follow us on Twitter at Rock and Rally. That's rock underscore and underscore rally. And on Facebook at facebook.com backslash rock and rally tennis. This is podcast episode number 200. Yep, it's our 200th podcast. It's a nice milestone. I want to thank our fans and everyone who has been so supportive since Rock and Rally Tennis podcast started in January 2016. You know, it's been a lot of fun and truly, truly awesome to share our tennis passion with so many other tennis fans across the globe. I look forward to continuing our podcast, you know, sharing game improvement tips and thoughts on a wide range of tennis-related topics. So again, thanks so much for your support. I am deeply, deeply humbled. All right, so let's talk about the 2021 French Open, which is now a historical event. You know, there are some interesting storylines to talk about. For starters, congratulations to Barbora Krejcikova for winning her first Grand Slam singles title, and to Novak Djokovic for capturing his second French Open singles title and 19th overall Grand Slam singles title. Djokovic's victory was monumental on many levels, and I'll discuss that shortly. The unseeded Krejcikova defeated 31st seed Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova in a tough three-set battle. You know, at the start of the French Open, I don't think you would have found either player on too many radar screens, at least not to be the final two women standing, each competing to win her first singles major. Up until this tournament, Krejcikova was largely known for doubles. She was the number one ranked doubles player in the world in 2018, and including this women's French Open doubles title she just won with Siniakova. Krejcikova now has six Grand Slam doubles titles, three women's and three mixed. So that's a nice way to cap off a phenomenal two weeks. You know, Krejcikova was very solid, if not spectacular, all tournament long, coming through in those pressure moments just enough versus her opponents. So mad props to Krejcikova for her major breakthrough on the singles side of the ledger, as well as her doubles victory. For Pavlyuchenkova, Reaching the finals and coming within a couple of games of capturing her first Grand Slam singles title was likely bittersweet. You know, on the one hand, it was a remarkable accomplishment to reach the final, considering she had come into the French Open without having much practice in the previous three weeks due to a leg injury. On the other hand, some tennis fans will recall that Pavlyuchenkova was a prodigy as a junior player, having won three Grand Slam junior singles titles by the age of 14. You know, Grand Slam success at the professional level has not materialized as anticipated for Pavlyuchenkova. You know, this French Open represented her 52nd attempt at winning a singles major after such an impressive junior career. Perhaps reaching the French Open final could be the start of something for Pavlyuchenkova at the majors, because, hey, it's never too late. I also want to give a shout-out to Naomi Osaka for bringing much-needed attention to the mental health aspects and considerations of athletes. Look, you know, could she have brought up the issue in a more constructive and potentially less distracting manner? Yeah, probably. But to her credit, I think she realized that, which prompted her decision to withdraw from the tournament in the early going, so it would not continue to be a distraction to the players or fans. Now, I'm curious to see the potential impact on how press conferences and other tournament obligations are handled in upcoming events as far as the players are concerned. Uh, we certainly wish Osaka the best and hope to see her back on court in the near future. You know, lastly, as an avid fan, I'd like to share a quick thought on the women's game, and I'll expound further in a future podcast. You know, as a fan, I would love to see a player or two or three firmly establish herself, at the very least, as a potentially dominant champion. You know, at this 2021 French Open, Krejcikova became yet another first-time Grand Slam singles champion. Now, this has been fairly common in the women's game in recent years, 
Sviantec, Kennan, Barty, Andreescu, Stevens come to mind. And if you go back to what, 2017, 2018, you can add Ostapenko, Wozniacki, and Halep to that list. You know, on the one hand, it's exciting to have the depth of field in the women's game where multiple players can realistically win in any given week. But on the other hand, and I'm speaking only for myself as an avid fan of the game from that perspective, the lack of a dominant women's champion in recent years I think makes it challenging at times to really get behind or, or get vested in some of the top players. Because as it has often been the case over the past few years at many tournaments, not just the Grand Slams, you know, blink and before you know it, many of the top players have either lost in the early rounds or eventually failed to live up to their tournament seating. And I'm sure we were probably very spoiled by how dominant the champion Serena was for so many years. But moving forward, my hope is that one, two, or even three players will emerge to become dominant champions on the WTA, whether that's Barty, Sviantek, Andreescu, or a player currently unknown who may be on the cusp of a breakthrough. I believe that when that happens, it will do a lot to lift overall fan interest in the game to a whole new level, as we have seen what the big three have done in the men's game. Now, as far as the men's French Open champion, well, what more can be said about Djokovic? You know, defeating Nadal, the king of clay, in an epic semifinal, and then coming back to win from being down two sets to Sissipas in the final, well, I don't think Djokovic could have scripted it any better. You know, as I mentioned earlier, winning a second French Open title was monumental for Djokovic on many levels. With the win, Djokovic became the only man in the Open era to have won the career Grand Slam twice, or in other words, having won each major at least two times. This is yet another important distinction for Djokovic in the GOAT discussion uh, when all is said and done. It's something Federer and Nadal have not achieved to date. Federer is short one French Open title, Nadal is short an Australian Open title. You know, between the two, Nadal has the more realistic chance to match Djokovic on this achievement, whereas Federer is unlikely to do so. At this point, I will refrain from diving into the GOAT debate. You know, the big three are still playing at a top-shelf level. Federer and Nadal are currently tied at 20 Grand Slam singles titles. Djokovic is now at 19. You know, the Grand Slam record book is still open and could change in a few weeks after Wimbledon. So there'll be plenty of time to have that discussion. You know, I do want to share a few more thoughts regarding the Men's French Open. First, in all the years I've watched Nadal, I can count on one hand the times where he looked physically tired and run down in a match. And even in those instances, Nadal usually found a way to prevail. His grueling five-set, four-hour, 50-minute win in the final of the 2019 U.S. Open versus Medvedev is an example that comes to mind. So in this case, huge props to Djokovic. Wearing down Nadal on any surface, let alone on clay and at the French Open, is something you just don't see. You know, when I was watching this epic semifinal, I could see Nadal was starting to labor a little bit towards the latter part of the third set, a couple of games before the tiebreak. You know, I believe Nadal will need to make some adjustments to his game moving forward. I mean, he's 35 years old now, and throughout his 20-year professional career, he's played a brutally physical brand of tennis. Now, he has made some adjustments in recent years to shorten the points. I think he'll just need to continue to do that moving forward. Regarding Sissipas, as I talked about in 2018 when he was, what, 19 or 20 years old, he is the real deal. His Grand Slam breakthrough is coming. You know, out of the crop of super talented up-and-coming players, he is the one player, in my opinion, who can win on any surface. He has the size, athleticism, great instincts, and is as comfortable at net as he is from the baseline. It would not surprise me if he won his first major this year or next, beating one or more of the big three in the process. I mean, we'll see. 
but his time is coming. Lastly, this is some food for thought regarding Federer's withdrawal from the tournament after winning his third round match to, quote, protect his body and prepare for Wimbledon. Now look, I understand it of course, but you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of how he went about it. And I say this as someone who is a huge fan of Federer. On the one hand, it's Federer. For all that he has accomplished and done for the game, he's, and also he's going to turn 40 years old in a few weeks, look, he has earned the right to plan his schedule and make whatever adjustments he deems necessary to best prepare for the tournaments he most values. But by the same token, it's Federer. This is someone who for several years now has been considered by many to be the greatest men's player of all time. Moreover, by all accounts, he is someone who truly understands and appreciates the history of the game, the players, the big tournaments, etc. So it's understandable how his withdrawal from the French Open after winning his third round match to prepare for Wimbledon ruffled a few feathers in the tennis community. I mean, basically it was almost like his attitude and actions were viewed by some to be rather disrespectful to the French Open, which is one of the four Grand Slams. You know, as a fan of Federer, I'm actually more disappointed at the underlying reason for his withdrawal from the French Open, which, for whatever reason, has not garnered much discussion in the media. That being that he simply did not want to compete because he did not believe he could win the French Open at this stage of his career. And again, I want to make this point clear because this is Federer we're talking about here. You know, how can you consider a player to be the greatest men's player of all time when he does not want to compete in a Grand Slam because he does not believe he can win it. I talked about this in a previous podcast in 2018 when he chose to skip the French Open for similar reasons. You know, when he skipped the French Open in 2017, it was understandable because he was coming back from knee surgery and a long hiatus in, the, in 2016. So he won the 2017 Australian Open in January and then won the Sunshine Double at Indian Wells in Miami. No doubt he played a heck of a lot more tennis than he had anticipated coming off of that hiatus and major knee surgery. But that was not the case in 2018 when he skipped the French Open. In any event, you know what, it's probably a good bet that if Federer wins Wimbledon, he will likely be showered with accolades and adulation and no one's going to remember any of the criticism that's been levied on him from what happened at the French Open. Look, either way, I'm happy to see him back on court and playing really well. I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of the tennis season unfolds in the coming weeks and months. Well, that's all for this episode, folks. Thanks for joining us at Rock and Rally Tennis. Please subscribe to our podcast at rockandrallytennis.com. I'm James Lynn. See you next time.